We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst here at Irish Breakdown. And, of course, I'm always joined by the publisher of Irish Breakdown. That's Brian Driscoll. <laughs> he might be over here. He might be over here. I'm mm-hmm. not sure, but he's there. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got another game to talk about. Obviously, Notre Dame's coming off their big double overtime victory over the formerly number one Clemson Tigers. Emotional roller coaster. For everyone involved, I'm sure it was for the players as well. But now they got to turn their attention quickly to the 5-3 and three Boston College Eagles. They're going on the road, which would be the only difference uh, at this point from 1993 to mm-hmm. now, except for the fact that Boston College was ranked uh, mm-hmm. during that season. But, uh, you know, again, and we talked about this in the last podcast, Brian, the 93, you know, everybody keeps bringing up 93. That means more to you and me mm-hmm. than it does to anybody that's putting right. on a gold helmet on Saturday. Right. Well, and, and you know, I've tried. I'm going to have an article out, uh, you know, well, the day this is going to, this podcast is going to come out, it's going to be on, on Thursday. And I'm going to have an article out talking about how this is more like 1988 than it is 1993. And that's the thing I think a lot of us have to understand is, when you look for similarities, you know, could Notre Dame be caught in a trap game kind of situation? In 1993, when Notre Dame beat Florida State, it was the second to last game of the year. You had a decent BC team come into town, 17th rank, but that Notre Dame team had had beaten some really good opponents, and they just slay the dragon, and that was uh, that was Florida State. And so right. it's like, hey, we beat BC, and we're in the we're playing over. Nebraska yeah, right. for the national title, which right. I think they would have won. 
And so, you know, they kind of sleptwalk through the first, what, three quarters of that game yeah. before they finally, what was it, like 38-17 at one point in the fourth quarter before they came back. Whereas in 1988 against Miami, I think Notre Dame saw like four or five games left at that point in time. So uh, including an end-of-the-season matchup against USC, who ended up being number two in the country, but USC was really good that year. So it was one of those things where you enjoyed the victory, but you're like, hey, guys, we got a lot of football left to play. Exactly. And I think that's what makes this situation a little bit more unique, whereas – hey, fellas, this is a great win, but this doesn't get us our destination. Exactly. This doesn't get us close. This gets us a little closer, but we still got a lot of work to do. And this is the part of the schedule where it starts to heat up, you know, where outside of Syracuse, you don't have any games where you can just kind of sleepwalk through the game like you did offensively against Louisville or, you know, uh, struggle defensively like they did against Florida State. These are games now against Boston. It starts with Boston College where you're better than they are. You sure. have all the matchup advantages, but they're good enough to beat you if you're not locked in and if you're not bringing at least, you know, your BB plus game. And so uh, I think that's what makes this situation a little bit unique is it's not like they just clinched a berth to the ACC title or they clinched a berth to the college football playoff. And, you know, this is a throwaway game. Uh, they know that there's still a lot of things to, to do and there's still a lot of work to get done. And I think Brian Kelly's been, been hammering that point home to him. Now, that doesn't mean you don't go out with a lot of energy and emotion this weekend, but the simulators are different. But look, different. But I get it. Look, any Notre Dame fan over the age of like 37 immediately Ooh. when they saw Clemson and then BC announcing the schedule was like, oh, <laughs> you beat Clemson. We got to play BC. Are you kidding yeah, me? Right. Uh, but the circumstances are different. The teams are obviously different. You know, I, I wrote an article the other day talking about how this is a chance for redemption at Notre Dame. And, but this is a chance at redemption, to your point, Vince, for like for me and you, yeah. uh, you know, for Notre Dame fans. Uh, and, and it's not for the players because the, the thing I joked about was when, when the 93 game against Boston College was played, Brian Kelly was a 32-year-old third-year head coach at Grand Valley State. Clark Lee was 11 years old. Tommy Reese was wearing diapers, literally. And there wasn't a single player on the team that was even born yet. So that just kind of shows you that that's, that has nothing to do with what's going on now. This yeah. game is going to be about how the 2020 Notre Dame football team matches up against the 2020 Boston College team, which coaching staff has that team better prepared to handle this game, this moment, this opportunity. And that's what it's going to come down to on Saturday. You just made me feel old. I just want to let you know that. Um, but hey, well, whatever. you are, but the good thing for you is you'll never be as old as me. <laughs> well, that's so a you fact. can always feel better about that. And I didn't realize I was older than Clark Lee, so that made me feel <laughs> bad too. Just putting it yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's still a big game because Notre Dame mm -hmm. needs to keep the momentum, yes. and, and I think that's the biggest thing because they they did a lot of things in the game against Clemson that we were delighted to see things that mm -hmm. needed to happen, obviously, for them to take that next step, beat that top five in this case, top mm -hmm. one uh, opponent, there was things that needed to be, that needed to take place. You know, Ian Book needed to gain some confidence, throw the ball down the field. The wide receivers needed to gain confidence in those 50-50 balls and, you know, things of that nature. The defensive front needed to have that confidence and just go get, mm -hmm. you know, the opposing team. All these different things that we talked about going in, they were able to accomplish. Um, Shane Simon, for example. Mm -hmm. Can they continue along that that highway right that highway of success mm -hmm. can they continue that build on it because look I don't think Notre Dame is going to be able to come with the exact same effort in the ACC championship game that they had last Saturday it, it they're gonna have to do some different things they're gonna have to execute better 
Yeah, no that's exactly and right. That's what and these I, games are about is building right. to that point. Because here's and, the thing, and yes. we'll reiterate this, Vince, from the past game. Notre Dame played as well as they could have played against Clemson from an effort and energy standpoint. Absolutely. They were not where they needed to be from an execution standpoint. Correct. And and when I put my grades out at IrishBreakdown.com, there was a lot of – there were some people that got upset about it. Like, why did you give them no you – know, offensively, only one group gets an A. And I'm like, you guys are looking at this like it's an insult, like I'm being overly critical or I'm, or I'm tearing them down. Like, this is a good thing. Yeah, that they can just get better. Clemson yeah. and you didn't bring your A game. Right. That's the whole point, you know. And, and yeah. and it's a it's a good thing. It's like and I've said this. It's it's like a reverse of the 2005 Notre Dame USC game where USC had some turnovers that were uncharacteristic. You know, you think of the Matt Liner uh, interception in the end zone, uh, some plays like that where I felt Notre Dame played about as well as they could have played, and they just weren't good enough to beat USC. It's a lot like the 2014 you know Notre Dame Florida State game. That was the opposite of what we saw on Saturday. I don't know if Clemson, with the team that they had on Saturday, could have played any better. I think they played about as well as they could have played, and Notre Dame didn't, and Notre Dame still won, which, again, instead of getting upset that, like, well, why'd you give, you know, not an A to everyone? Because Notre Dame can play better. And that's not an insult. That's a great thing because they're going to have to play better to beat Clemson on December 19th. And the other point is if they play better than they did on Saturday when they play Alabama or Ohio State or Florida, whoever else, they're going to have to play in the college football playoff or the Orange Bowl, depending on how the postseason goes. It's good to know there's another level yeah, that they absolutely. can get to. And, and, and this BC game is a part of that journey, getting to that level. And, and the, the, the reason I'm less concerned about an upset in this game is maybe I, I, I would have been when the schedule first came out, is I think this team has shown me a level of maturity that mm-hmm. you don't know that they're going to have until you see them go through things. When you handle the, the game being, being canceled against uh, you know, Wake Forest and you go through the COVID outbreak and just the weird offseason to begin with, and then, sure. and then Clemson and all these different things, this is a team that's shown a great deal of maturity from a leadership standpoint, and teams like that tend to have fewer of the, the, the really bad games. You know? sure. and, and I think especially now that they got through the Clemson game, it's almost kind of like, Okay, now now can you taste it? Now can you now do you you know you can see it? And and we're gonna find out are they gonna are they gonna see that and then and get even hungrier, or are they gonna kind of say hey we've arrived and we're gonna coast through these next four games and until we play Clemson again? So we don't know the answer. I feel like this team is gonna is gonna get hungrier. Yeah, no, I agree. But we need to see it, and and that's and- what Saturday's gonna be about. We, and we saw that mental toughness in the Clemson game, you know, from, from Michael Mayer, from Ian Book. I mean, they made some critical mistakes early on. Jeremiah Wusukormoa. I mean, Absolutely. he had some big, big, missed, big missed tackles in the and first half. They were able to rebound and act like nothing happened and then go make huge plays, mm-hmm. you know, down the stretch. So, and I think that's just a microcosm of this team as mm-hmm. a whole. I really do. Um, and, and just to, you know, put a bow on the Clemson game. You know, and you talk about people being upset with your grades. I mean, look, <laughs> anybody that watched that game knew, man, all those field goals yeah. they were kicking were going to yeah. come back to haunt them. I yeah. mean, they should have had a gigantic right. lead at halftime. Uh, you know, you had uh, the two Michael Mayer mistakes mm-hmm. led to field goals instead of mm-hmm. touchdowns. That's eight points right there. Mm-hmm. You're telling me you wouldn't have wanted to be up 18 points instead of 10 points at halftime? I yeah, mean, or even more. I mean, there's a right. chance, depending on how you do the math, that could have been like 31 to 10 at one exactly. point in time. And, so, and the thing too, Vince, is, is other than the fumble by book, and even that is still like, you know, you got to protect the ball better. I'm sorry. For you're sure. Third, yeah, you're starting no quarterback. But a lot of those mistakes were, were not Clemson making plays. No. It was 
Notre Dame shooting. It was a false start. It was dropping a, drop a pass, wide open yes. pass. It was carrying the ball out quarterback here. fumbling. It was. <laughs> yeah. It, they were things that Notre Dame can control that weren't correct. You know, it had nothing to do with Tyler Davis not playing or James Kolsky not playing or Mike Jones Jr. not playing. It had nothing to do with the mistakes that Notre Dame is making. Right. And, and, the, and how that applies to the Boston College game is I think it's a good thing when you play a big game and you get in the film room and you say, hey, fellas, there's still a lot we need to get better about because now that gives you something to kind of focus on and even hammer down on and honestly sure. if I was the coaching staff and, and I've seen this done at you know smaller level where I've coached at but when you have that big game and then you've got an inferior opponent coming up that week of practice is a lot of times just not fun because not that you're yelling and screaming but like nothing is good enough that's right. not good enough oh you think that's gonna you know just because you beat so-and-so you think you know and, and you kind of do that you kind of play that mind game with them where you're overly critical of them because in sure. reality you know guys there's another level we got to get to and we can't wait for Clemson again to bring it out. Right. We got we to right. work on it now. And, and that's what this BC game is going to be about, is taking those mistakes, those plays that were left on the field. You know, Ian Book, those reads that you can make, the, the drops, the false starts, the, the missed tackles, the misalignments, the blown coverages, all those things, Man. you know, kicking the ball sure out of bounds twice. sure we won that twice. game? But that's the point. That's the point. <laughs> know, like, you did all those big mistakes against a team like Clemson, and you still won. It just yeah. goes to show the talent gap has definitely narrowed. I mean, Notre Dame could not have afforded to make those mistakes against Ew. Clemson two years ago because they did make those mistakes, yeah. and they got and beat 30-3. And to it three. was 30-3, yeah, exactly. They made those mistakes against Ohio State in 2015, and they got blown out. They made some of those mistakes. Well, heck, they didn't even make those mistakes against Alabama and still got blown out in 2012. So, again, it just kind of shows how this program has come a long way, and it's right. why you and I have been so – frustrated with some of the things that have happened in the past because this is what we felt Notre Dame is capable of and the right. talent level is better than people realize to the point where you can play the way you did think about it Notre Dame played terrible against Louisville on offense and won yes you know <laughs> they, they played terrible on defense against Florida State and won they're starting to come together as an entire team now now sure. the question is is again building on that and, right. and building momentum and it's not building from the standpoint of look Vince, with the schedule that's left, they're past, hey, let's work on this guy or that guy. Now it's win games. Absolutely. Your, 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 uh, your six-game preseason is over, <laughs> right? You're now into big boy football. And now is where you, you take those things, you build on it, and you make yourself a better team, and you really focus on those things in your preparation as you get ready to beat a really good Boston College team. Because you can and, – and the timing of it is great, too, because you can show the players some, hey, guys, you remember the film we watched last week getting ready for the Clemson game? You remember that team that took them down to the wire and almost beat them a week before at their place? Yeah, we're going to their place this weekend. And so, I, as and Vince, you know this, that kind of stuff can be a rallying point for players, too. Like, hey, guys, we watched the film of BC against Clemson. They weren't afraid of Clemson. They took Clemson down to the wire. We know what it's like to battle Clemson for, for, for four quarters plus some. Uh, if that team can hang with Clemson for four quarters at Clemson's place, you know yeah. they're going to be ready for us. And yep. so I think those, all those things factor in to why I don't think we're going to see in a, a, the kind of letdown that, that, we, we, that people think of when they automatically think, beat the number one team in the country from the ACC, play BC the next week, uh-oh. Uh, that's why I think a lot of these scenarios are a lot different. So let's jump into this game, uh, the matchups in this game. Let's start on the Notre Dame defensive side. So Notre Dame's defense versus Boston College offense. Let's just get the elephant out of the room. You know, mm -hmm. it, let's talk about it. Phil Dracovic, you put mm -hmm. up a great video, uh, you know, breaking down 
how to defeat Phil Dracovic and what he means to this game. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the, in my opinion, the bottom line is, uh, and I believe that you use this stat in your in your breakdown, he's responsible for 76% of, 74% their, 74% of the yards, 78% of the offensive touchdowns. I was right in the middle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's a big part of this offense. Yeah. And he so, is the offense. Yeah, and, and when you're talking about Boston College's offense, you got to talk about Phil Jakovic, and we're not talking – Phil Dracovic versus Notre Dame and right. because of those ties. That's right. not where we're going with this. This is about the BC quarterback. That, this stuff, is about, that stuff, we've had that, those conversations. Absolutely. He would have, could have, should have, whatever. He's not at Notre Dame anymore. Correct. He's now the quarterback of Boston College. And, and so what does he mean? That's the to, focus. Yeah, what does he mean to that team versus Notre Dame's defense? And right. uh, it, look, bottom line is, if you don't stop number five, uh, and I believe they're going to be wearing white in this game, if mm-hmm. you don't stop number five in white, it, it's going to be a long day for you. Yeah. He, look, you know, you talked about, let's put those numbers in, into context, okay? I've got some stats here. And again, this Bring is it. not a stat meant to say this guy's better than that guy. It's context to show you how, what those numbers mean. So, you know, a lot to say, well, 74%, is that a lot? Is that not a lot? Ian Book, for example, for Notre Dame, accounts for 57.8% of Notre Dame's total yards. Uh, he accounts for 40.6% of their touchdowns. Now that is either throwing or running. He either threw it to somebody or he rushed it. Which means that Notre Dame's run game is very, very good and helps them out. Now Ian Book's numbers, uh, you know, you look at his his yards numbers, 57.8. That's a lot closer to most quarterbacks than than Phil Dracovic is. And the only power five quarterback I've seen that's played more than one or two games that's, that's ahead of Dracovic is Kyle Trask at Florida. Now, what, what people have to understand about this, this is not to say he's a better quarterback than Ian Book or whoever else. It's meant to simply say he is the Boston College offense. Yeah. And if you is. want to win this game, you have to stop him. And we've seen it. When he got hot in the second half against North Carolina, uh, he put that team on his shoulders. I mean, the, the, the final drive against North Carolina at the time was just outside the top 10, I think, where they. Well, no, I'm saying he, I was going to get to your point. He had to throw three touchdown passes. Like, That's, so, I, yeah. so if you didn't watch that game, here's what happened. Uh, they got the <laughs> ball back with, like, what, a couple minutes left? Yeah, yeah. He let him down the field, and there was this play where he hit a fade route, perfectly thrown fade route, touchdown. They called offensive pass interference, backed him up 15 yards. Then he makes a scrambling around heave, like, 45 yards down the field in the back of the end zone for a touchdown penalty. And then he leads him down. It was like a third and 12, and he hits the tight end over the middle to convert it. Hits a touchdown pass. They didn't get the two-point conversion, which is – and then the two-point conversion got ran back. Uh, that's why it was a right. four-point game. But if he – you know, they had that chance. And then we saw in overtime against Pitt, he kind of put that team on his shoulders. I mean, he right. just tore Pitt's defense up in that game. We saw the first half against Clemson. I mean, some of the throws he made in the first half against Clemson, you're like, come on. There was one throw, I think, on their second drive of the game. He, he, he threw a cross-the-field deep drag to Jalen Gill – where he had two guys hit him in the face as soon as he threw the ball. And it was just, it's just like when he's on his game, that offense can be dangerous. Sure. When, when, you, can, when you can get him out of the, that game, when you can get him off his game, when you can rattle him and not let him get outside the pocket, not let him make some of those freelance throws, not give him the time to attack downfield. And that's what Clemson did in the second half. He had no time to throw the ball downfield. He had no time to get those same routes. And, and the, the, the BC offense stalled. And then the couple times he did hit a couple downfield throws, Zay Flowers lets one go off his hands. He tries a one-handed right. instead of two. And the reality is, is 
that's kind of the thing is he doesn't have a Javon McKinley or with all due respect to Hunter Long, their tight end, he's not Michael Mayer. He's not Tommy Trump. Right. Their offensive line isn't as good as Notre Dame's. And so he has to do a lot of those things. Again, not better, not worse than anybody else. It's just in that offense, they need him to do that because they don't have the talent of Notre Dame, of Clemson, of North Carolina around him. And so they need him to do that. And, and the thing I like about what BC has done offensively is they they understand who he is. This is our guy, mm-hmm. right? This is who we're going to build around. And so they give him the freedom to do that. They're going to live. And, and AJ Black talked about this in, in the the opponent insider podcast you guys did yesterday. Is they live with some of the things he's going to do that are mistakes. Right. They're going to live with him throwing into triple coverage a couple of times, with him launching a ball sixty five yards downfield when it's three seconds too late to throw the ball. They're going to live with that to a degree because they know if they if they harness that then you lose all the playmaking that he gets. Right. And they're just not good enough to just hammer teams. I mean, they've got the most schizophrenic run rushing offense in the entire country. I mean, it is bizarre. Number one, they were the number eight rushing team in the country last year, over 250 yards per game. Four starters come back from that offensive line. This year they went for over 260 against Georgia Tech. They just rushed for 191 against uh, Syracuse's last game. And their five, uh, six other games, they failed to get over 90. Mm-hmm. it's the most bizarre thing, but it just kind of speaks to they just don't have a lot else around him. Uh, and and if you can stop him and you can rattle him, then this BC offense isn't going to be very good. Well, and yeah, we, we've yet to see them kind of put that four quarters together against a good team. Notre Dame needs to make sure that this isn't the game where that happens. Well, and you brought up the run game and, you know, David Bailey and Travis Levy are going to be the, the one, two punch, I guess mm-hmm. at running back. And, David Bailey has 429 yards right now uh, on the ground, and and that's after eight games. And last year mm-hmm. he had over 800 yeah. as the backup. Right. So that tells you not only it, you know that they're not leaning on the run game because right. they can't run the ball very right. well, but the focus is all on number five. Right. I mean, he is the offense, like you said. Well, so. it's because of the fact they couldn't run the ball. I mean, they tried yeah. to run it early against Duke, and they got Just they went nowhere. I well, mean, it was it was yeah, it was and, not and, good. And you mentioned they had four starters back on the offensive line, and I, I believe it's a little the, bit of a misleading statement, though. And you're going to explain why. Well, and the the tack. Well, I was going to say the tackle uh, for Boston College was an All ACC preseason first teamer. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And that you know, according He's to AJ, not playing Black, tackle anymore. That, well, that's, yeah, he, that's yeah, the... that's right. He had to move into <laughs> yeah that. Right. Why they moved everybody around yeah. is a whole other right. And that's why I say the four starters is misleading because yeah. I think only one of the starters is actually playing the position that he played last year, and that's Tyler right. Rabel. Right. Actually, I think Tyler Rabel was playing left tackle last year. I could be wrong on that. I'd have to go back and look at the film. But they're just – Zion Johnson moved from guard to tackle. I think Alec, Alec Lindstrom went from guard to center. Uh, ben Petrula went from tackle to guard. It's just been a hodgepodge, and they right. really haven't been able to get their stride offensively. And it's hurt them in pass protection. It's hurt them running the football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I put this stat up in that article I did. Phil Dracovic is either, according to Pro Football Focus, he's either been hit or sacked 49 times this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 49 times. Uh, so he's certainly taken a beating, but, you know, he, he's bad. The ice bath is his friend. Yeah. But that's how he was in high school. I mean, he took those well, kind of shots in high school, too. I mean, he, he, you know, he's a, he's he a puts tough himself, kid. He puts himself in harm's way. Uh, you know, more often than not. Mm-hmm. And and I believe also, according to Pro Football Focus, he's the third uh, highest rated quarterback outside the pocket. Yeah. So, you, like you said, the goal is to keep him in the pocket. You know, right. make I – mean, look, he can make throws from the pocket. Don't sure. get me wrong. But you he's don't not want to do it for 60 minutes. That's, That's exactly the thing. Right. Is he's, 
And if you keep him in the pocket, you know where he is. Now you can design your pressures accordingly. Sure. Hey, we know we can't let him sit in the pocket and, like you said, have all day to throw because he'll do to you what 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 DJ Uyunglele right? Is that, am I, have I finally saying it right? Uyunglele. Uh, Uyunglele. There you uh, go. We'll do to you right, and that is he's going to throw it downfield. He's going to throw it over your head, right. and that is an area where Notre Dame has been vulnerable this year. Correct. I mean, if you think about it, Florida State hit some big plays. Duke hit a big play to set up a field goal drive. Uh, Georgia Tech hit a big play. Uh, Pitt hit a couple big plays. So, I mean, sure. that is something that Notre Dame has been vulnerable to, and none of those teams had Phil Dracovic throwing the football. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, and with all due respect, none of them had the kind of tight end that BC has, which adds a different element because true. You, you can't just go work on the outside to take the outside away because then you've got Hunter Long working over the middle of the field. So uh, even though it's not a great group of receivers, it's a good group of receivers. You know, with Zay Flowers and C.J. Lewis is really coming along and Jalen Gill starting to really come along the transfer from Ohio State. So there's good weapons around them. Not like what sure. Notre Dame has, but better than what a lot of the teams that they faced had from a top uh, – that they've faced have had. And so if you, don't, if you do let him sit in the pocket and not pressure him, the key is make him stay in the pocket, but also collapse that pocket, and, and especially up the middle. That's where, that's where he can have – and that's any quarterback. Right. If you pressure him up the middle, that's where he can have some problems because now he's got to spin up. out and do all yeah. those other kind of things. But, you know, if you're, if you're just coming pressures on the outside and the interior players aren't getting pressures and they're not blitzing linebackers, he's just going to do what he did to Clemson early in the game, just step up and run. Right. You know, and then there was that play where he had he had two Clemson defenders running into each other, you know, because he, he made a miss. So, you know, his rushing numbers aren't aren't going to blow you away because of the sacks. But this is a kid that can move the chains. But what he wants to do when he starts to move, he doesn't necessarily want to run. He wants to move around to buy time that will then allow, um, you know, some of those some of those big plays happen. So, for example, he's lost 182 yards this year on sacks. So you have to add those to his, his actual rushing numbers are much right. better than, than you know, I think he's like a little below nine, 100 right now. Well, he's over 200 if you look at just yards he's gained. So uh, you have to be aware of it. But again, Vince, at the end of the day, the other weapons are nice, but you, the only way you lose to Boston College is if Phil Dracovic goes off. That, that, that really is – I mean, we did a lot of talking there, but at the end of the day, it's really simple. It's what I said in the game. You stop Phil Dracovic, not only do you beat Boston College, you smash Boston College, and that's the key. Clemson can only do it for half, which is why the game is close. Notre Dame needs to do it for 60 minutes. So give me some specific like – we kind of we danced around it. We kind of brought up some broad strokes. Specific keys for the Notre Dame defense against this offense. I think the biggest thing is, is you have to be – you have to the – the defensive game plan is going to have to be uh, up front, it's got to start up front. You have to make sure that just like you did with Clemson last week, do not let the ground game get going. Because if BC is able to develop some balance, now all of a sudden he, that you start doing the bootlegs that they like to do, those play actions that they like to do. If you're dominating their run game and, and then they run a play action fake, you're like, okay, why? Because why? our safeties are sitting back here waiting on you to <laughs> right. run ball. You, yeah, you exactly. can't run on us, you know. Right. Um, so, so those become less effective and that's a big part of what BC does. If you look early in the game against Clemson, some of the big plays they hit were off play action throws, right? Well, if you're dominating the the run game with your defensive line and linebackers, then all of a sudden your safeties aren't worried about that, that play action stuff. Your corners aren't worried about that play action stuff because you know, they're really not a threat to beat you running the ball. And if you're Notre Dame, you know, I, I think that, that there's two ways of looking at it, Vince. One is 
you know, if they're, it's kind of like the USC game last year. If they're running the ball, it means they're not throwing it. <laughs> and David Bailey's not ripping off an 80-yard run. Phil Dracovic can throw an 80-yard touchdown pass. But I still think Notre Dame needs to shut down the run because then they can allow their safeties to be more impactful in the pass game. I think that you do with him a lot of what you did with the quarterback from Clemson, which is mix up the looks. You know, show him off coverage, bring it up. You know, start up, bail it. You know, drop your defensive ends. Because, you know, I could see him, you know, thinking he's going to bang a quick outcut to the sideline, catching it and going to throw it, and all of a sudden Dalen Hayes is undercut the route, you know, for a pick or something like that. You know, I could see some things like that happening if you're able to to get him thinking and get him guessing uh, and showing him all those different looks that you're going to show him. Because, and I think that's something where, one criticism I definitely have on Dracovic this year is he holds on to the ball a little bit too long at times. So the more you get him thinking, I'm not sure what I'm seeing. Okay, they're showing cover four, but they just rolled a single high. They showed single high. That guy just came down. They're playing robber. They're, you know, they're kind of playing an inverted cover full, cover two. You know, there's all types of different things you can do to him to get him thinking. And the more you get him thinking, then the less he's going to be willing to just chuck that thing deep to the right guy you know he's not going to throw in rhythm and then the other part is you have to get pressure on him you can't you can't wait till overtime to pressure him like what we saw last week with Clemson where even on the sometimes they did get pressure on 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 the quarterback of Clemson he was able to step into the pocket they weren't able to bring they weren't able to get a hit on him if you do that to Phil Dracovic he's gonna he's gonna hurt you and and so they've got to hit home with some pressures especially early because if you can here's the thing Vince if you can get him out of rhythm in the first quarter, by the time he figures things out, it may be 24 to three, you know, and, and now it's over. And now you can pin yours back and go after him. So I think those are the things specifically control the line of scrimmage, get pressure on him. And from a coverage standpoint, mix up your looks, but not at the expense of your secondary guys not being able to execute the coverages. Because again, this is the kind of team where if you if you make a mistake and there's a guy 50 yards downfield, this is a quarterback that can launch it another 15 yards past him to get the ball where it needs to get to, right? So you have to be assignment correct. And that's something I think this secondary has been pretty good about. When they have been beat for big plays, with the exception of the, the Florida State, when they have been beat, it, it hasn't been a, a mistake. You know, I'm thinking of the Sean Crawford getting beat on the double, the double move by Tamori and Terry it's usually been Nick McLeod or somebody in good position and you give it up. Well, last week was really the first time that I thought we saw just flat out mistakes in coverage and, and, and it resulted in Clemson gets some big plays. You got to clean that up because you can't allow those things. Cause if you do, then they can hurt you. Cause BC to me, Vince has the same threat against Notre Dame as Clemson did, which is you can dominate them for 85% of the snaps I'd, I'd argue 90% of the snaps. I think Notre Dame dominated Clemson for about 90% of the snaps last week. But the 10% Clemson did have were 20, 30, 40, 50-yard gains, and that allowed them to pile their numbers up. I think over I think over 60, if I'm doing the math in my head correctly, over 60% of their yards came on like six plays because they had over 100 yards on two completions of Cornell Powell. That's 20% almost right there. Uh, so you have to eliminate, eliminate those kind of plays on the screens, the, the play X, because you're going to see some similar things from them schematically that you saw from Clemson. It's just that BC does it in more of a pro-style offense, whereas Clemson did it in an, an RPO spread style of offense. For, for me, and I know and I agree with you about you know, mixing things up and, 
and, and basically changing the eye level and all these different things that mm-hmm. you want to do to, you know, he's still a young quarterback. He's mm-hmm. only made eight starts. So mm-hmm. he's essentially a rookie, right? With no so, spring ball. Exactly. You know, brand new team. Very limited stuff. fall camp, you know, all that we stuff. heard how much Brian Kelly said at the beginning of the season, how much not having spring ball impacted Ian Book, who had started for two years in this offense right. with the guys he was playing with. So right. imagine what that's like. A little bit of sarcasm there. Imagine what that's like for a guy who's at a new school with new players and didn't have right. spring ball. So, right. yes, you're, you're correct. So what I want to see – is look, Kurt Heinisch had a monster game against Clemson. I mean, he was uh, in the in the words of my my buddy Sean Styers over mm-hmm. at WSBT, he was the Hulk. Uh, oh yeah, front. I mean, he was a man, man child. Mm-hmm. I want to see that again. Yeah, because you talked about having to get pressure up the middle. Mm-hmm. That's Kurt Heinisch. That's where mm-hmm. he needs to be special. And so I want to see him take that next step and continue that play, which then allows. Uh, I, I want to see. I want to see Kyle Hamilton just playing center field. Mm-hmm. I want to see that bomb go up. Yeah. Me get worried when it goes up, but then see 14 just go mm-hmm. up and snatch it out of the air. Yeah. I, I want to see his ball skills in this game. And I realize he's going to be doing other things. He's going to be a run supporter. He's going to be doing all those different things. I just want to see him play center field against Phil. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. But I think you bring up a good point, Vince, is can they can they defend the run well enough with their box? That's the four down line. Without bringing backers. down the safeties, right? Without needing to bring Kyle Hamilton yeah. down. And, you, and you'll bring Sean Hamilton down or Sean Crawford down because, you know, you can play him in the alleys. Sure. You can kind of be that support player. Because you need that not just for the run game, but they do a lot of perimeter screens and bootlegs. Sure. And you're going to need your safety to help with that. But, you know, can you can you do some stuff where maybe you mix up your safety looks this week and you're bringing – Crawford down kind of Rob Week, and you've got Jeremiah Wusu Strong, so you're kind of going with a cover three or a cover one look, and you allow Kyle Hamilton to maybe play off the ball more than you have in the right. past. Right. Because I do think, to your point, I think it's a great ob- – I didn't think about that. That's a great observation because he's the one guy that can be sort of that, that neutralizer. That. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and so, you know, you may get beat deep, but if it is one of those 60-yard bombs that kind of hangs up in the air – Kyle Hamilton has the kind of range that he can maybe get to that. And if he doesn't pick it off, at least hit a guy or sure. knock it down or something like that. Sure. So, I, I, And, you know, look, Phil's going to sail a couple balls. He, he, he is. Does. That's just yeah. what he does. Right. And so do you want Kyle behind the defense when that happens, when there is a tip or something like that? Though, because those are the kind of mistakes that you could get Phil into early. He's a very emotional player. Uh, you can, he just wears his emotions on his sleeve. He's been like that since high school. Uh, you can get him not rattled. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's you can get him too amped up. Sure. And and when He'll he makes up for this game, when he makes a mistake though, he gets really mad. Like he wants to overcome that mistake. And because he's young, you press. There's there you go. And so that's why I say is, do you use Kyle Hamilton to where is in the past they've kind of had you know Hamilton and Owusu Koromoa either stacked on top of each other attacking or kind of attacking from different sides. You know, do the, is this the game? Maybe you kind of have them. You know higher lower where you have a Wusukor Moa and Sean Crawford doing some of the intermediate sure. flat stuff and you leave Kyle Hamilton in the center field so I didn't really think about that because we just haven't seen that a ton sure. from them well that's but, why I, that's why yeah. I was thinking about it because I think it'd be it would be showing him something yeah. he hasn't seen and it's something that you know? Frank Signetti the offensive coordinator hasn't seen either and yeah to your point Vince Kyle Hamilton's the kind of player that if it takes you two series to figure out what's going on that may be two series too late for him to make a game-changing play Good point. And so, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really think about that, but that, that would be a smart uh, – not saying that if you don't do that. I mean, you have right. one of the best defenses in the country. If you keep doing what you're doing, I'm not going to say it's a bad okay. idea. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but it would be a, a smart adjustment to kind of yeah. do that, and it would be something that 
Now, in a couple weeks, North Carolina's got to think about. Exactly. Wake Forest has got to think about. Sure. So, yeah, I, I, that's a really good idea. It's a really good idea. So let's, you know, let's move over to the other side of the ball. Uh, Notre Dame's offense took some big steps in the Clemson game. You know, we talked about we want to see them continuing to take those steps. The Boston College defense um, is a whole other ball of wax, Mm -hmm. if you will, compared to the Clemson defense. Uh, Jeff Halfley, he's a DB guy. So he's going to put those guys out on an island at times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real good opportunity for Notre Dame to take some advantage uh, in the pass game. But, you know, you, I mean, look, it's Notre Dame's offense. They're going to run the ball. They're going to, you know, again, hopefully, hopefully take some shots. Hopefully take some shots. Build on what they did against Clemson. I, the last thing I want to see is them regress offensively. They mm-hmm. need to keep taking steps yeah. if they want to keep up with their defense. Yeah, because if we're being honest, we still haven't seen a 60-minute game from the Notre Dame offense. Yeah, we, we didn't see it against Florida State. They scored 35 points at halftime, seven in the second half. Right. We didn't see it against Clemson. I mean, Notre Dame went uh, uh, quite a long time. I mean, because remember, uh, there's only t- – after they scored on the second play of the game, they didn't score another offensive touchdown till the end of the fourth quarter. Right. Another touchdown they scored Lots was a goals. defensive one. Lots, Lots of field, of field goals. goals. And in the second half, they scored three points in the first, what is it, uh, 28 minutes of the second half. You know, right. and – and had had two you know two three and outs and it just it was sloppy. It was at some point if you're going to be a team that's going to be able to beat Clemson in a rematch, if you're going to be a team that can beat Alabama, Ohio State, Florida, whoever you get in the in the college football player for the Orange Bowl, you're going to need a 60 minute offense. And so I think this is a, a good week where you need to start seeing some of that, you know, to where they do put it all together. And and to your point, of, you know, about the Clemson game, we saw a lot of good things from the game, but still had red zone miscues and and that's really been the thing that has doomed this football team all year doomed them from the standpoint of they're not reaching their potential clearly they're seven and oh so doesn't doomed them from a win-loss standpoint but how often do you want to play with that fire you know and that's the other thing is is at some point in time that kind of thing is going to bite you in the butt and they need to make sure that 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 they work that out and that's the thing that we're talking about earlier is there's still a plenty of room for improvement for Notre Dame especially on offense I think the defense is it's kind of hard for me to imagine the defense being much better than they've been this year. But I think the offense, more than anything, has a lot of room for improvement, and this is a good week to do it. Because BC, you mentioned they're completely different than Clemson. Clemson is, for the most part, really young and really talented. But they were vulnerable, and this is what we talked about last week, they were vulnerable to giving up big plays and getting beat because they are a young team. BC is the exact opposite. They're not overly talented. There's not really a lot of NFL guys on this roster, especially not like first four or five rounds. There's no Zach Allen and Harold Landry like Notre Dame had to face a couple years ago. But they're really tough. They're really gritty. They're veterans. They don't make a lot of mistakes. You have to beat them uh, to have success. And um, they're, they're good. like you said, they're going to be well-coached. Jeff Halfley's a secondary guy. He was in the NFL for a long time before taking over the Ohio State defense last year. They do a lot of things coverage-wise that you and I want to see Notre Dame do against, against Phil Dracovic, which is start off, come up, play up, go off. And then they'll just mix it up. Some snaps are playing nine yards off the ball. The next snap they're in a guy's face. Yeah. So you never quite, you know, as a quarterback, it sometimes could be, it can be difficult to get into a rhythm. And that's why for the most part, they've held teams in check against Clemson. They, what ha- what hurt them against Clemson was that game was just obvious that, okay, yeah, they're really well coached and they're tough and they're gritty, but they just don't have enough athletes to, to right. hang with those guys. I mean, they were just getting beat by a step or two when they knew what was coming, but they just weren't – I can know what's coming, 
That doesn't right. mean I can I, – I know can I know Jerry Rice is about to run a slant on me. doesn't mean I'm going to stop it. You know what I mean? So, um, and, and that's kind of what we saw against Clemson. They, they knew what was about to happen, but they just – they weren't athletic enough to do it. And, and right. that's where Notre Dame needs to take advantage of, you know, they're, they're a small defensive line. And when I mean small, not just weight-wise, but they got a lot of six-foot, six-one, six-two guys that don't have super long arms. That is like – that is the worst thing you want to be against this Notre Dame offensive line. Oh yeah, if you can't if you can't get like if, if they're getting on your body, you're done. It's I mean, over, right? Exactly. You have no chance. They, and, they and, can't get off, and they can't you know yeah. reach and right. Yeah, exactly. Right, and so I think this is one of those games where you expect the Notre Dame offensive line to kind of really push them around, and and they're going to top. They're tough. They're going to compete. They're going to battle. They're going to fight. They're going to give you everything they got, but you know. You can give them everything you got, but, you know, this isn't the movies. This isn't Rocky. You know, in real life, that little dude loses. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that's the thing is Notre Dame – and that's why execution is key. Don't make the big mistakes on offense that allow BC to stay in this game. You know, be who you are. And that's why I say this isn't about, well, you got you to really build the – you got you to overemphasize the pass game to get it rolling. No, you win the game, right? And now do you need the pass game to be effective? Yes. But do you overemphasize it in an attempt to work on it? Not necessarily. You do what you have to do to beat PC. Notre Dame is in you got to win now mode. I mean, they, they can't afford to, you know, like, like Georgia Tech. It was obvious in the first half that Notre Dame was trying to overemphasize the pass. Agreed. It. it was like the Fine. first six to eight plays were all passes. No problem with that yeah. at all. I, I, I dig that in games like that. I was actually sure. happy to see that. When you're playing BC, it's not working on something mode. It's what do we, what can we do to beat this football team? Now, running the ball is going to be a big part of that. But then, are you building off of the run game effectively? And we saw some of that last week. Are you using using the tight ends as much as you did last week? Are are your receivers making those one on one plays like they did last week? Because if the receiving core and the tight ends can carry their performance from last week over, minus a false start and a drop. <laughs> By one then, guy. Then you start feeling a lot better about this ability to – but what did that one guy do? That one dude came back, exactly. Michael Mayer, and made big plays. So, exactly. say, if this group can kind of carry that into this next game, and then maybe you, you in against North Carolina you can bring, you know, Braden Lindsey back, and all of a sudden you add that little element to where he can just be more of a complimentary speed player like he was last year as opposed to trying to beat the guy. Now you now you got a little something going, you know. But uh, yeah. it's going to start up front because – here's the thing. If Notre Dame's not ready to fight Vince, then then this will be a battle because the one thing you and I both know from watching film, BC is undersized, they're not overly athletic, and they're not overly talented, but they are going to fight you for 60 minutes. doesn't matter what the score is, they're going to fight you for 60 minutes, and Notre Dame's going to have to be prepared for that. So I think it won't take the offense very long to realize if they are kind of coasting or they are kind of, hey, we feel really good of ourselves, it's going to take about one series – going against that front seven where they're just going to come off and punch you right in the mouth that you're like, okay, these guys are ready to play. <laughs> Let's get rolling. And, well, and, and, and yeah, and I think we're going to see that. And I will say that, that, that has been, that, that has been what Boston college teams have been like mm -hmm. as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to fight you the whole way. And it's like that annoying little brother that you keep at arm's length mm -hmm. and you just kind of hold them out there mm -hmm. and they just keep swinging at you and they just keep mm -hmm. swinging. And eventually they get, you know, they get a shot mm -hmm. in the ribs or something. Right. Um, that, that's what Boston College feels like to me against Notre Dame. And the longer you hold them out there, the more of a chance they're going to have. And so you've got to put them away. You, you have to put these guys away. They're going to fight the whole time. And, and you're right. I, I, I look at 
um, I'm going to go, I'll give my keys first on this mm-hmm. side. Um, I, I want the run game to just dominate. And, that, mm-hmm. and that's what I, I want. When you have a, a run game that uh, is the way Notre Dame's is, and you can just demoralize teams. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying to not go after the pass game because I right. still want to see them take shots. And That's got to be the foundation. Absolutely. got to be the foundation. I just – I want them to just step on the throat. I want them to just demoralize Boston College. I want them to just run it right at them and just take their will. And then they can keep doing all their other stuff. You know what I mean? That, that's – Yeah. Let me I ask you see. a question, That's Vince. what I want to see. Yes, sir. Let me ask you a question. Uh, we agree on that. We agree that th- that's who Notre Dame is. Yes. Right, and when you're in win now mode, you you build around your best at you build around your strengths, and we agree their strength is the offensive line and the running backs, right? Correct. Here's my question for you. Yes, we've seen Ian Book have some really good performances throughout his career. Uh, he's had two in his last three games. Oh, he had a really good performance against Pitt, a really good performance against uh, Clemson. Yeah, absolutely. And between that was, to me, a very mediocre – contrary to what Brian Kelly said after the game, it was a very mediocre performance. It's a winner. So, Ian Book kind of got that big monkey off of his back. What do you need to see from him in this game that makes you think that, okay, he's truly passed what has limited him, which is that just that level of consistency. Mm-hmm. What do you need to see from him on Saturday to make you say – uh, you know what, that game has done wonders for Ian Book because now he's playing loose, he's playing free, he doesn't have that, the weight of the world on his shoulders anymore. I know this is going to sound, uh, I don't know, hippie-ish or uh, you know, big picture. I want to see him play with confidence. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard to pinpoint like a stat that would tell you that, but what we saw him play with confidence. When you and I were texting back and forth during the game, it's like, wow. When he plays with confidence, he plays really, really well. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is what am I looking for? I'm looking for him to not double pump uh, in the pass game. Because there's there, you can see when he's like, uh, should I go? No, I'm mm-hmm. going to check it down. And he was not doing that he against was, Clemson. It was, was not, let her it, rip. It was, it was let her let rip, rip. And it was, I'm confident in my read. I'm going after it. Did he make the wrong read a couple times? Yeah. Sure. Several but, times. But, but – and there was times he made the wrong read and still completed passes down exactly. the field. And he delivered the ball with con- mm-hmm. that one throw to Tommy Tremble. He had uh, Javon McKinley wide open on a crosser. Mm-hmm. Easier throw. Yeah. But he put it on the money to Tremble on time where it needed to be. Still got the first down. Uh, the throw that he made to Michael Mayer, that little itty-bitty window that he mm-hmm. hit, you don't hit that unless you throw it with confidence. Yeah. You know, the throw to Avery Davis. He doesn't make that throw in other games. He doesn't because he's so. So are you saying that he could go like twelve of seventeen? You know, ob- you know. Obviously, if he goes thirty-five of thirty-eight for five hundred twelve yards, he he played well. So you're saying it's not for you. It's not like you need to see him throw for three hundred twenty yards. But if even if he only goes twelve of seventeen, but he's aggressive. Yes. That's kind of, so. What you're looking for is more like your feel, your eye test of you know what. Yeah, and I know and that's made very subjective. I get. Yeah, that, but, but but I I think it's. I mean, we've seen Ian book enough to where I think we we can know what that looks like. We absolutely. can know the difference between the Ian the the Clemson version of Ian book and the Pitt version of Ian book and the the you know, Stanford from 2018 version of Ian book and the Georgia tech version of Ian book or the, you know, we, I don't want to go down and list the names, but look, you know, and when, that, he uses I, I his legs, when he uses his legs to his advantage, you know, and he does it without thinking about it. Yeah. That's when he's confident, right? It's not when he bails too early, you know, you mm-hmm. can call it happy feet if you want, mm-hmm. but when he's got a clean pocket and he does that roll thing, right. When he does that roll thing. That's when I get worried. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> When yeah. he can step up in the pocket and then runs, 
Yeah. That's a good thing. I, I do. I will say even the Georgia Tech game where I didn't think he played well, I, I, I don't think we've seen the happy feet thing that people like to talk about in, sure. in several games. Yeah. You know, I, think, I think not since Louisville, really, have agree. we seen that. I thought yeah, I even agree. though I had big issues with his play against Georgia Tech, it was more about just, just let it rip. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm going to take off running. The pressure's getting to me. Right. We didn't see that. It was like, dude, they're not wide open. That's a decent secondary that Georgia Tech has. We talked about that beforehand with Trey Swilling and, and, uh, and the other kid that they had at car. I keep Walton, right? That's a good corner group. Your guys aren't going to be wide open. Let it rip. And, yeah, let and it we saw that against, against Clemson. But, so we haven't seen the happy feet thing in, in several games, but I, I still i am with you. I, I want to see him, even if it means you know, there's some balls that get incomplete. I can, I can live with an incomplete pass. I can even live with an interception every now and then. But, but I want to see you be aggressive, you know? And, and, and when I say I want to see Ian Book be confident, I also want to see him have confidence in his receivers yeah. because he, he had that in the Clemson game. Yeah. He, he, like I said, he put the ball into some 50, 50 areas to Javon McKinley. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he let a rip to Javon McKinley. Uh, you know, he threw it to Skoranek when he was covered. I mean, he had confidence that his guys were going to come down with the football. And with one, that's also something did. we haven't seen, you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. if, if he can show confidence in those guys, that's only going to increase yeah. their confidence as well. And that's, it, 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 they feed off each other. They made a lot of plays for him on Saturday. And, and that's not to take away from me. And that's, what it, that's how it's supposed to be. Yes. I mean, look, a quarterback's not supposed to be everything is like, like I think Jimmy Clausen kind of spoiled some Notre Dame fans, you know, with, with well, every pass should be on the money. No, it's not going to be. It's not going to be that way. That's not right. that way with a lot. Of, I mean, think about one of the biggest plays that Clemson had in the 2018 title game against Alabama was a play where Justin Rawls has to like reach back and make this freakishly – good one-handed catch right like well i mean yeah you you trevor lawrence he doesn't make that catch if trevor lawrence doesn't throw it out to him it right was a great pass exactly. but that's exactly but right you don't throw it it's definitely not going to be a catch and so you, well, you just like, like the, to see that the deep right. throw to mckinley was not a great throw it was short no, but it was he made it, it a great catchable catch. yes exactly. catchable that's the thing is throw a catchable ball right be aggressive you know and again yes. the timing of it too because in the past let's be honest on that throw there's, there were two plays in that game that, to me, said that's a different Ian book. And they were both the post throws. One was the throw to Javon McKinley, where if he waits on that like he normally does, he, he, he can't throw it far enough and the guy can run sure. underneath. We saw that happen several times with Chase Claypool last year. He threw that ball relatively on time. And so that's why McKinley was able to – McKinley was the only guy that had a chance on that play. It was either going to be a catch or an incompletion. There was no yeah. chance of, oh, can Clemson pick it off. And then the other one was – the post route to Avery Davis. And, and here's why I think you and I talked, I talked about this with Sean Styers and Darren Pritchett on, on WSBT, I believe on Tuesday night. And, and that was so similar to the throw against Clemson in 2018 that he didn't make. Now it was in 2018, it was the second drive of the game. It was Miles Boykin running an outside post where in this time is Avery Davis running the slot post. On the but slot, the situation yep. is the same. And what happened on that play it was a zero zero game. Notre Dame had just forced a, a three and out on Clemson on their first drive. They got the ball at midfield. And I think it was a second down play, third down play. But Miles Boykin beat the corner on a post route. And, and, and there was pressure coming from outside, but the tackles had done a good job of getting the body. So it just they had to just step into the pocket, right? And it's called climb the pocket. You climb the pocket, mm-hmm. you reset your feet, you let it rip, and it's either first and goal or touchdown. Right. And he was unwilling. It wasn't that he didn't see it. He just didn't have that. Yeah, I can make it's this that goal. moment of hesitation. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Against Clemson on Saturday, the same situation. There was a blitzer, and the, he trusted the running back to pick it up. 
Yeah, he did. He, he climbed the pocket and he let it rip. And not only did he do that, but he let it rip without pumping. You know, sometimes Ian will, will kind of step up and then kind of pump fake and then throw it late. You throw that ball late, that backside safety is coming over and making a play on it. But so we saw all the things that I've been we've been harping on for years to say, you know, he, he's this. What have I said this entire time? And this is what frustrates me with some of the reaction to you don't like Ian Book. I have said for two years, Ian Book. I've there's been a lot of people say, well, he doesn't have the physical. I've always said there's nothing wrong with him physically. Are right, there throws he, he can't make? Throws. Yeah, but there's throws that 90% of quarterbacks right. in the country can't make throws that Trevor Lawrence, Justin Field, and Phil Dracovic can make physically. That doesn't mean you can't be a great quarterback. And we've seen him do it. We saw him do it against Navy last year. We saw him do it against Stanford in 2018. We've seen him make those throws, and that's what's so frustrating. I'm not going to fault a kid for not doing something he physically can't do. Right. I would just say it. He's not a very talented quarterback, and so this is as good as he can get. The reason I was critical of him is because I did think he was capable of being this kind of player. Right. And so now that he's done that, the key for me, Vince, is now I need to see him do it where he strings performances like that. I'm not saying he has to match the emotion of Saturday night because you can't fake that. You can't right you can't act like every game is the number one team in the country you just you can't i've been around football a long time i've it's never seen happen. A, right. a coach be able to to fake the, the closest thing we've seen to that is lou holtz i mean and that wasn't even really them thinking navy was great or the, a bad team was great but more of they were just so sick and pissed off from what had happened during the week of practice they were just going to take it out on the team they played right which was the genius of what he did in those games so you can't fake that i don't need to see him just as zoned in as he was on Saturday, but I do need to see the same confidence to your point is just you, you know, when you, when you've evaluated quarterback, as long as, as we have been, you know, it when you see it, you know, exactly. And, and, and yeah, it's like I said on Saturday, about the, there was throw, there were reads he missed on Saturday, especially early, especially Tommy Trumbull. Like if he would have thrown to Tommy Trumbull as often as Tommy Trumbull was open, he'd have had over hundred yards receiving. Okay. But he wasn't, he wasn't not throwing those balls because he saw it and was unwilling to throw it. He just didn't get there, right or wrong, but his progressions. Yeah. And so that's different than Absolutely he different. saw it, but, he, but he's just unwilling to pull the trigger. We didn't right. see an unwillingness to pull the trigger for me and Book uh, on Saturday, except there was maybe two passes where he saw that, but it was he got to the read late and he shouldn't have thrown the ball. Right. Because by the time the ball would have got there, the window would have been closed. Right. And so I didn't have a problem with that. So if he can start stringing those things together and then, exactly. you know, back to back to back, which is something we haven't really seen from him since well, his yeah. first three or four starts. Yeah. And if he can do that, boy, this offense has a chance to, to go because they got the line, they got the backs, they got the tight ends, they got the receivers, they got everything in place to really start to just take off offensively. And if Ian Book can, can carry that confidence that he had from this last game and Pitt, uh, then this team's got a chance to be to be really good. And if he does that on Saturday, Vince, I don't think this game is going to be close. Even if I, BC scores 28 points, if Ian Book plays like that for 60 minutes, they may score 28, 31 points, but Notre Dame will score 50. You know, I mean, I just I don't think it'll be close. And that's the thing. And I'm and I, I just going to put a bow on, on this particular uh, conversation in that you're right. They have all the pieces. Mm -hmm. And then in a few weeks – you add that cherry on top of Braden Lindsay. If he's healthy, yeah. If, and, and, and by the way, I said it on the radio show earlier today, you know what? I'm fine if he doesn't play till December. Yes. 
I, because yeah. I'd like to have him for the North Carolina game, but definitely That's would fine. not play him. I don't care how healthy he looked this week in practice. I, no, 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 sit no, no, him and yeah. then have him sit out during the bye week. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. But look, the bottom line is you don't need him to win any of these games left in the regular season. You just beat the number yeah. one team in the country without him. Yeah. Okay. But you're going to need him to beat Clemson again. And you're going to need him to beat whoever you play in the playoff or, you know, however many games you're going to play in the postseason. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, I would want him to come back for a game or two to kind of get his legs. Right. I get what you're saying. That nature. You rest him as long as yeah. he needs at this point. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is because Javon McKinley is finally stepping up, because the tight ends have, are starting to become, and I hope that continues as well. Like, for sure. I, I still get frustrated. Like, I was pumped, and I don't think I talked about this in the podcast, the post Clemson podcast. I was fired up to see Tommy Reese make Tommy Tremble a really key part of the early passing game. That needs to keep happening. You get him and Michael Mayer going. You don't just need one or the other. And Javon McKinley can do what he can do. you got Kyron Williams. I mean, there's weapons. Ben Skronik's – now, all of a sudden, Ben Skronik becomes a complimentary piece, which is exactly what he should be. Pretty great. Uh, you know, Javon McKinley, it can, you know, he's shown he can beat Clemson's corners. He can beat Asante Samuel. He, last year against Virginia Tech, he had a great one-on-one catch against Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, who a lot of people think is going to be a first-round pick. So, the tools have always been there. It's, but can he mentally, can he be consistent? Well, he's starting. He's now played three out of his last four games. have been pretty good. You know, you take the Louisville game out, and you're like, but he's been really good the last month. Yeah. Um, now you bring Braden Lindsay back and you can kind of work him into a similar role to what he had last year, which maybe he only plays 15 to 18 to 20 snaps a game, but it's when he's in the game, you're throwing him, you're throwing him look screens or giving him jet sweeps, you're throwing him on right. post routes. You're, right. He doesn't have to be that every down guy. He may only touch the ball three, four times, but they could be but, explosive times. Correct. You know, you can design some stuff. And the, the key to that is if he does hit a couple of those plays, you know, then you start using him as a decoy. I'm going to sure. run him on a deep drag route to get that safety biting, and then we're going to run kind of like a wheel route behind it or something like that. You can right. get real creative with it, and and he doesn't have to be the guy. Right. So, but but I but to let's get back to this game. I don't think that's even if Brian Kelly had mentioned in the press conference on Tuesday or uh, Monday, I believe where he said, you know, they're going to have him run and, and do some change of direction and see if he's good to go. I don't care how good he looks in practice this week. I'm not playing him on Saturday. No, I wouldn't even have you to know? make the trip, to be honest with you. Stay home. Stay yeah, home. you don't want him pulling, his, pulling a hamstring walking yeah. up down the steps or something? No, stay yeah. home. <laughs> yeah, I'd still maybe have him travel just in case of an emergency or something like that. Fair but, enough. But and then you also want him being around a team and seeing a game. and just. I'd rather have that. Jordan Johnson come in in an emergency. Don't get me started on okay. that. Okay. I mean, this is a happy <laughs> podcast, Vince, okay? <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, just get him healthy for the North Carolina game because that's the game where even if your defense plays okay, plays well, that's a team that has the, the firepower to, to hang with you. BC doesn't have that. And we'll that's talk about that is, one later. Yeah, BC is such a one di- – it's just – not that they're one-dimensional, but, you know, because Hunter Long's a good player, Zay Flowers a good player. But it's like they don't have, like, the Michael Carter-Javante Williams combo at running back. They don't have Travis Etienne at running back. They don't have J- Javion Hawkins at running back to where, you know, you really have to commit those resources to slowing down the run game. This is a team where you can just focus on the quarterback. Yep. And if if you can do that, then I know you can shut this team down. If if But even if Phil does go off, I think that's where the Ian Book offense part comes, where if they play to their ability, even if Phil Jakovic does go off, Notre Dame should still be able to outscore Boston College because right. of the, the matchups they have on offense. But that's going to come down to Ian Book, 
building on the success that he had this last week. It doesn't have to be statistically as much. Exactly. It has to be you're playing loose, you're, you're attacking, you're, you're being aggressive, those kind of yep. things. That's what I want to see. So talk about outscoring BC. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk predictions, baby, because I think we're both going to predict that they outscore BC. But uh, – and I believe you said uh, in our little pregame chat – uh for the podcast hey, we go we have to go over game plans too you know i mean we're two coaches <laughs> we have to go over the game plan to make sure we're ready to go no yeah. doubt in case we got to call an audible or something yeah, that's right you know. um but you said you're gonna have two predictions yeah. for this game only so. for the podcast i'm not gonna okay. have one on the website that's cheating but for the podcast <laughs> it's not necessarily two predictions it's more of a if this happens then this will happen and if this okay. happens that'll happen so, okay so what do you got if the defense does what i think it's going to do which is Part of the reason that I don't think this is a trap game is because Phil Dracovic's the other quarterback. Exactly. It's something to and, focus on. Yeah. And, and we, we don't want to spend time on, you know, the Ian Book versus Phil Dracovic thing or Phil was a, you know, played at Notre Dame. But the players know that. And the other thing, too, is some of the things that I've heard from Notre Dame players about Phil Dracovic and what he used to do to the defense in practice, they know what yeah. he can do. Yeah. They're not going to look past – BC because they're five and three. They're going to be like, hey, I remember this dude used to take walk-ons and, and lead him down to touchdowns against us in practice. Okay, so we're going to be on top of our game. So I think that presence of Phil Dracovic mm-hmm. is a big reason why I don't think this team is going to overlook Boston. Yeah, they're, they're going to be. I'd be in. more concerned if this was North Carolina or Wake Forest on the schedule the week after Clemson than Boston College because of that. And if the defense responds the way that I think, which is control the line of scrimmage really attack Phil Dracovic, not let him get into a rhythm, I think it's going to be sort of like a 38-17 to 17 kind of score where, okay. where it's, it's, it's going to – by halftime, Notre Dame's got a solid lead, and then by the fourth quarter, it's like, yeah, this game, is, this game isn't competitive. Uh, if the defense struggles to k- keep Phil Dracovic in check, whether it be a really good game plan by the – because, look, this is a really well-coached football team. We it didn't is. Talk, we didn't talk enough about that in this podcast. Jeff Halfley is now on my radar – for when Brian Kelly retires or leaves or whatever. He's going to make a name for himself. He's on my list of coaches to keep an eye on. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Because of not just how he coaches, but also how he recruits and his personality. He's got some first-year coaching mistakes. When they get a lead, they kind of get conservative, which almost cost him the pit game. Did cost him the Clemson game. Did cost him the Clemson game. You know, and so you look at that, but that's, you know, it's a first-year coaching mistake, but this is a tough, physical, well-coached football team, and you're going to have to earn this win. So if Notre Dame beats BC 38-17 – to that means they went out and played really well. And I think that's what they're capable of. But if the game plan is such where BC kind of has some tells on Notre Dame's got a lot of film now. You know, they know what they're going to do. And they're able to move the pocket enough. Phil's able to make some plays and they can keep this game close. I could see it being like a 34-27 kind of game. I think in both scenarios, Notre Dame wins the game. But in the second scenario, I think it's a game where Notre Dame doesn't put it really away till late. Mm. And, and, and it, I don't see it being a game where, like, Phil gets the ball at the end of the game with a chance to tie or win. I don't think it's going to be like the North Carolina game because, as I've said all offseason, Vince, North Carolina is not as good as people think they are. Right. There's a big gap between Notre Dame and North Carolina. It doesn't mean North Carolina can't beat Notre Dame. I'm just saying on a week-to-week. Sure. Basis, no, I agree. not as good as Notre Dame. So, when I look at it, I think I'm leaning more towards the, the, the 38 to 17 kind of game because I think Notre Dame's just going to beat BC up on defense. And, and I also think – this is the kind of game where you want, you know, Brian Kelly's – what was Brian Kelly's like first coming up for Georgia Tech? I would have liked to have scored quicker. Not in this game. <laughs> this is the kind of game where you go on a 15-play, 80-yard drive that takes seven minutes off the clock, 
good job because you keep number five on the other sideline. And I sure. think you, you get them out of rhythm. You know, if BC goes down the field and scores, if I'm Tommy Reese, it's we're coming out this next year and we're going to run it right down their throat. We're going to keep him on the sideline because the last thing you want to do is come out, go three and out, and get him the ball right back. And, and so, so I think we're going to see the, the running game and the defense take this game over. I don't think it's going to be overly competitive. Um, and I do think this is going to be sort of like that 38-17 game. But in the back of my mind, it's like, if they can't get to him early, then this game's going to be more competitive. But in neither situation, barring turnovers, which Notre Dame's been really good at not turning it over, but BC's been really good at forcing turnovers. I think they've got like 14 forced turnovers in eight games. As long as Notre Dame can avoid that, I don't think BC has the horses on either side of the ball to, to, to upset Notre Dame. But I do yeah. think they could keep it closer, which we saw just a week and a half ago with Clemson. I'm not going to rehash everything that you just said, but I, I agree with your first assessment more than your second mm-hmm. assessment. And, and I was actually going to give less points to BC than I'm going to because of the fill effect. I think he does have the ability to big play Notre Dame. And, and Notre Dame, like you said earlier, has been susceptible to the big play. So I don't think that they're going to be able to do it enough times where it, it's going to make the game competitive. Mm-hmm. But it could happen to get the score up a little bit. You know what I mean? So, so you mean you're more in agreement with like that 34-27 kind of game? No, no, no. The first one. The, 38-17. The, the blowout. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I was going to go – I was going to give BC 10 points. Okay. Uh, but the, 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 the fill effect, I'm giving them 17. I give them another touchdown. But I think Notre Dame, I really like what I saw from the offense. I really mm-hmm. like what I saw from Ian Book. And we talked, you know, this time last week about, you know, if Ian Book goes out there and shows us what we think he can show us, I'll be the first one to say – my bad. You got it, man. And I, I'm going to say, because he had a good game against Clemson, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look on the bright side and say that he's going to continue that mm-hmm. moving forward. I think, I think the offense scores 42. Um, so I'm, I'm going to – maybe the defense gets a touchdown, you know, but I think they're going to get 42. Uh, so I've got 42-17 as my total. I just – So we're on the same page. We're on the same page. What BC's going to do. It's just yeah. you think the offense is going to be a little bit. But, yeah, I, do. I, just, I just feel like when I look – because it's a road game and because BC is a tough team, it, it really comes down to this, Vince's. I actually have Notre Dame scoring – you know, I mean, I could see them scoring. I mean, I have them scoring just as many times as you do. Yeah, the right. Is, is I think they're going to have to settle for a field goal, maybe two. Sure. Sure. Uh, you know, that's where I kind of got the 34 from because yeah, I could no. see where they score six times with two of them are field goals because we've seen Ian Book. We've seen Ian Book what this offense can do with Ian Book playing better, but we, we still haven't seen this still offense seen getting, yeah, but a good red zone offense. Yeah, I agree. Now, that, this would be that's the good the next game for, step for me. Yeah. That's the next step right. for me. And yeah. so what you're saying is you think this is the game for that. This I is do. the game where they get in the red zone and they, they – I hope – but. If they do that, I hope it means that they've made some adjustments to their red zone pass offense, which means get even book moving a little bit more maybe, but then run the ball. Yeah, right? like, that's, it's, I'm not one of those fans that's like, oh, just run it up. No, what I'm saying is that's working for you. So run the ball. And, and they then build your – yeah. Right, and, and it's, it's not just going away from it. It's you're going away from it, it obviously going away from it, meaning you're yes. lining up in the shotgun and there's nobody in the backfield. Or, right. or it's a clear that Notre Dame does have some formational tendencies where it's it's kind of obvious they're throwing the ball and they tend to do that more in the red zone than I think they should. Yeah. Whereas even if you're going to throw it, make them think you're running it 
and then run a play action, throw like a hot pass, do some kind of, you know, wide delay or something like that where you're boot, a bootleg for the love of Pete. Here's a crazy idea. I would love to see this. I guarantee it goes for like 50 yards the first time they run it. When you're running that outside zone and teams are just running 15 guys to that outside zone, how about you pull it just once and bang a backside slant or backside yeah, post? Uh-huh. Just once, you know? <laughs> and, and um, you know, so I think there's some things like that that we could see that, that to your point, would get that red zone offense going. But they can't just keep saying, well, we just, we just got to execute better. No, execution is part of your problem. Another part of your problem is yours, your pass offense just doesn't fit in the red zone, what you're doing in normal downs. Right. And, and it, like third down, they're so good on third down because they can just kind of run their normal stuff. They, they got really good third down package. I love what they've been doing on third down all year. They've had at least 10 third down conversions in each of their last three games. That's something they've never done under Brian Kelly. Mm-hmm. Three straight games of that. So you need to kind of have that same emphasis in, in, the, in the red zone because your third down package is kind of built off who you are offensively. The red zone offense is not. It, I don't understand what they're trying to do. But if they can clean that up, and, I, and, and my, my hope is what we saw in overtime against Clemson is going to keep going. Moving the pocket, book running, running the ball, getting him out of the pocket. Where I don't even they, – they didn't always plan it that way. Some of those were scrambles. But you listen, hmm. It might work for us. Hmm, hmm. Let's see here. This kind of worked. This right, kind of worked exactly. out well. You know, and, and then kind of building around that. And I think if they do that, this could be the game. And because that's the final piece, right, Vince? I mean, Ian book consistency. But the final piece for me is if they, they got to figure out the red zone offense. Because I'm telling you right now, if the red zone offense was was as was was under against Clemson, what it had been the previous three years, it have been a that blowout. game wouldn't have been close. No, it wouldn't have been close. It, it really uh, wouldn't have. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know, you're worried about Notre Dame being on the not worried, but you you brought up Notre Dame being on the road. Pretty sure they're going to be in the home blues, so it doesn't yeah, matter. You know, it doesn't matter. They can you know, be like a home game. I actually think in this kind of scenario, being on the road can can be a a, a good thing for them. For sure. No, I you get know, that. I kind of like the idea. It's like when you know when they lost to Boston College or when they lost to Georgia in 2017. I think the fact that they had to go back onto the road the next two weeks was good for them. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's just you. It's just hey, it's right. just us. We're not we're not on campus. We're not dealing with any of the local stuff. We're just it's just us. And, you know, let's think about what we got. We got, you know, during a flight, during a hotel, during a bus trip to the game. It's just us. Hey, what do we got to focus on? What do we got to do? So, uh, and it's a familiar place. They've played here two oh, years bunch ago, of times. you know. Right. So, uh, yeah, I would like to see it. You know, I'd like – because I think if they – if their red zone offense is as perfect as you anticipate it being, I, I think 42 might even be underselling it. I, I really yeah. do because I just think athletically – because here's the big difference between Notre Dame and Clemson. Part of the reason Clemson had had trouble really taking that game over, Clemson couldn't run the ball. Yeah, it barely went over 100 yards. This is we talked about this. This is not the same Clemson offensive line. They won't have that problem again. Notre Dame won't have that problem. Right, they'll be able to run on them. The two best running teams that they faced all year were North Carolina and Virginia Tech. They gave up 176 to North Carolina, and I think go 305 to Virginia Tech. And because uh, that's all Virginia Tech does, they they just right. run. I mean, they're a great rushing team. So to me. Notre Dame is more like them than they are Clemson this year running the ball. So, so I, I think that would be, that would be uh, nice to see that red zone finally get can, going. Can you, I, you may not have the answer to this question and I would, I'm going to assume that you don't. So I'm going to ask it anyway, just to embarrass you. No, I'm just okay. um, thanks. Can, can you remember another time outside of a bowl game where Notre Dame wore their blues on the road Wore their blues on the road? Yeah. No, I'm pretty I, sure I, that's what they're going to have to do. Yeah. 
in this game, right? Yeah, because I mean, BC's going with their white, right, for the bandana yeah, game. The, the bandana, the red bandana Which, game. If you don't understand, whites. if you don't know why they do this, this I would is, encourage you to Google it. It's that, an awesome story. That video awesome that story. ESPN did, if that doesn't get to you, yeah, then you are not human. Yeah, I'm sorry. That yeah, I, my son and I watched that together. Actually. Um, right around 9-11 mm-hmm. uh, because he was doing a report. And I was like, dude, you need to watch yeah. this. And we watched it together. Yeah. And it was like, wow. Yeah, Vince, I honestly can't think of a time where they – It's going to be weird. Yeah. You know who I should – I'm going to get – when we get done with this podcast, I'm going to call Loose Emoji. He would absolutely you know. He'll, 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 like within five seconds, like, oh, yeah, so back in 1970, whatever, <laughs> he'll know exactly when it happened. He'll know exactly when it happened. That's why I love right. you, but he'll know exactly when uh, it yeah, so I, I, I say that out of love and respect, by the way. Uh, for Lou. absolutely, because um, we've both worked with Lou and and, and we both uh, cherish uh, Lou. So Uncle Lou is the man. That There's was meant no as doubt. a compliment. Yes. Um, I would used to. I used to mess with Lou in the office. I, I just randomly like look over the other guys. Like, hey, Lou, who was the third string quarterback in 1968? And he'd immediately like tell me where the kid went to high school. Like he was always a three sports star, and then you know, so and so. And I'm just like, God, this guy's a genius. I love it. <laughs> um, you know. So he would, he was my research guy. I didn't use Google. I just used Lou. Yeah, that's right. Lugal. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be strange. It's going to be kind of, it's going to be weird seeing them in their, their, uh, if that's in fact what they're doing. Cause I would I assume so. And I, and I thought, why don't you just have like the, the red in your Jersey be the bandana thing. But when they, when they put it, when they put it on social media, it was their, it was their white yeah. with the red. Yeah. And, Cause the red size. numbers and, yeah. and the gloves and the shoes and yeah. But yeah, cool, cool, cool uniform. Google that story. It's all. It's worth your time. Yeah. BC band. What are they called? The bandana game, right? The red bandana game. The red bandana game. Great, yeah. great story. So check that out. Yep. So thanks for joining us. We'll wrap it up there. And uh, we got a little off track there at the end, but that's what we do. So it's just a peek into the life that we have together. So um, uh, thanks for joining us uh, on YouTube and, uh, and SoundWise with our podcast. And make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com because we're going to have all kinds of matchup uh, articles. And, and Brian has his uh, comparison to the 88 and the 93 game as well and what this game means and, and all that. And we'll have our predictions on Friday and just all kinds of information for you. And, of course, make sure you stay locked in on Saturday because – uh, we'll have all your pregame analysis. We'll have your uh, in-game message board going. Then I'll cover the press uh, the press conference afterwards. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then Brian will have his game observations as well. So make sure you stay locked in to IrishBreakdown.com, and uh, we'll keep bringing you all the good stuff. And uh, hopefully, Irish come out with a victory here on Saturday, three thirty ABC. Make sure you tune in, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.